1: Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 194. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, your premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America, helping people grow. Tractor Zoom delivering insights and Dry Shod Boots, the official work boot of the Moving Iron Podcast. This week I have uh, the pleasure to have Aaron Finnell back on here. We're just coming to uh, see where it goes. Man, he and I have a have a pretty good record of not ever really thinking through what we're going to talk about and just see what happens and it always turns out pretty good so aaron how you been man i have been
0: fantastic it's just a beautiful beautiful january day snow falling nice and soft it's colder and shit yeah the only problem with all of that is it's october yeah so.
1: yeah week before thanksgiving or thanksgiving you threw me off there. <laughs> week, week before halloween here we've got I, so I'm in I'm in uh, Bluff here, Garing, Nebraska. Up here in the Panhandle, and we've got uh, I think we probably got s- almost seven inches of snow, and it's still coming down. It looks like they're supposed to snow through uh, through tonight and tomorrow morning. Um, good thing for that is there's still a lot of sugar beets out in the field. Most of the corn's been kind of cleaned up for the for the uh, most case, but. It, the good thing about this is it's uh, it's 18 degrees tonight's low. I think is like one or something like that. Um, I guess yes, last night's low was one, um, and then you start looking into some cool temperatures. So, luckily before it got too terrible cold, we had a, a good blanket of snow come across the top of that to kind of insulate the ground a little bit and, and kind of keep some of those sugar beets from freezing too bad. But you never know what you get till you start digging. So, uh, what's the uh, you're down in where are you at, Aaron? four yes current currently in the foco right in now FOCO. foco and noco all right what's the uh what's the weather uh forecast for uh northeast colorado uh i'm not real sure i think it's
0: supposed to i believe it's winter storm watch or warning it mm-hmm. seems like it changes every five minutes yeah. until late today i think yeah so that's kinda that's kind of what uh what's going on with all that. It's supposed hey. to just snow all day. it's pretty calm, but it's uncharacteristically cold for here. It's like twelve degrees
1: right now, yeah, usually they're never as cold as we are in the up in the handle right it's uh maybe maybe you can get some of that cold air to freeze the fire get frozen frozen fire in the mountains.
0: Well, I tell you what, there's enough snow on the ground right now that it's going to help. If it's doing that in the mountains, which it should be double or triple what it's doing in town, yeah. then, yeah, that that ought to be a tremendous help to the thousands and thousands of acres on fire. Yeah. Just, just right west of town anymore. Yeah.
1: Keeps creeping. Keeps creeping in there, doesn't it? All right, man. Well, kind of last time we talked about what we saw happen here the last quarter of the year, amongst a lot of other things, but we you know, as I look out there and I see um these prices of of the commodity prices that we're seeing, you know, I think waiting to see what happens overnight here, but you know, Friday corn December corn almost closed at four twenty and uh it was like four nineteen and a quarter and then you had uh March corn was like four twenty and a quarter or something like that. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of prices out there where a lot of guys if you look at kind of in our general area you're you're beating on that four dollar um cash corn drum pretty hard anywhere from from 375 to four bucks depending on where you're at uh wheat markets doing the same thing it's 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 climbing um so there's a lot of a lot of good um things happening right now with guys that are that are got some opportunities again but you know it kind of depends on what they Ford contracted up to this point and what that looks like. So I am very optimistic, like we talked about last time, that that November and December are going to be pretty busy for us. I feel like there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to either, A, look at upgrading the machine, or B, um, get some of those um, more costly repairs done to, to some machines they've got on the farm. Um, but I do feel like there's going to be a, a bit of a run here in this last quarter. Um, the more, the more I talk to folks, the more optim- optimism I hear in their voice uh, as we start kind of heading into that end of the year. Plus, on top of that, just like we've talked about in the past, you know, November fifteenth, mid mid November, a lot of guys are going to be done. This storm is going to set people back a little bit, but as far as the timeline goes, but for the most part, most guys are going to be done and have a good opportunity to start thinking about what they need to do. Going into the end of the year and what they need to do pre-plant season, you know, there's actually got a chance to catch their breath here and not not try to talk to their accountant inside the combine as they're cutting corn or picking corn. Sorry, in in uh, in uh, you know December twenty-eighth, you know. So right. So I think there's a, there's going to be some more th- more uh, more thought, more more uh, kind of really digesting what what's going on, and uh, I guess. Conversations that you've had with people, Aaron, what, what are you starting to feel out there?
0: Yeah, I, you know, as a, as a dealer and as a guy who only does used, the length of post-harvest time that these guys will have, I actually am not looking forward to. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Because they have got two months to find whatever it is and just wait, you know, and, and that, and quite frankly, that's if they have to do anything.
1: Right. Exactly. You know,
0: there, there's a lot of guys that, you know, here at harvest, which is super rare, never at harvest do you see prices climb, 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 you know, the biggest factor for that, I, you know, me personally, I'm not. I'm not like your buddy Chip, but the biggest thing I see helping that is, you know, there's spots in Illinois and Indiana that were way down. Yeah. We got the made-up storm name in Iowa where those guys lost everything, and I think that's all starting to show up. Yep. I know, you know, I talked to some guys in Wyoming this last week, and we all know Wyoming isn't, you know, the king of corn. But there, there's there there are elevators in Wyoming that have a plus basis on corn.
1: Yeah. just to get it. I saw that. Okay. Yeah.
0: Now that's one little, two little areas in Wyoming that is not you know, Ankeny, Iowa, or <laughs> you know something right. like that. Yeah. So that's that's a whole different realm. But it, I feel like if that is that way there and they're doing a positive basis at harvest to get corn, there's got to be a little less corn out there than than NASA's reporting or, you know, any of that. Yeah. Otherwise, they could rail the shit in for three bucks and be like, oh, well, we're good, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, and, or they could, you know, shit, get it in the panhandle in Nebraska that's close because there's corn piles all over. So. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't mess with markets. I, I pay attention to what the price is. I don't try to second guess. I don't try to ever, ever in my life be a a marketing whiz. So that's just, you know, there, there's gotta be, there's things happening in favor finally, after about six solid years of down. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah like are we gonna have one dollar corn or yeah. nope we we hit into the upper twos and started back up,
1: yep, yeah, there's a lot of news I mean, you look at the news cycle, you know this time so it was June last year we hit that four fifty mark, and then you know this, whatever the whatever we were doing with China at the time didn't didn't jive and so it fell back off then you had covid hit, and that we had corn hit like three bucks on the board, right. you know, so they were. A lot of speculators were, were saying, you know, if it hit three, if it hit two ninety nine, it was going to go to you know two fifty, and luckily it didn't do that. But you know, we've rebounded nicely. We're up, you know, dollar twenty on 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 corn right now. So I don't know. I think there's a plenty of opportunities for guys to, to take a look and see what happens. Now there's a million things they've got to worry about outside of of, of uh, the equipment side of the of their of their business. You know, they've got bankers to keep happy. They've got other, you know lines of credit to, to service and those kind of things. So there's a lot of things on their plate right now that they've got to just get, you know, get off their plate before they can start making some other decisions about, you know, what, what's next year look like, or what's my tax issue, situ- situation look like this year. And I mean, really some of these MFP payments and, and, uh, Oh, I can't remember what the other COVID thing was that they were, they were What's that? What's that called? I can't remember. What that CFAP. Was. Yeah. CFAP. Um, those kind of payments help too. I mean, so there's there's a, there's opportunity out there for guys to ha- to actually show a positive a positive amount of money this year, and, and what does that look like? So I think you know you you kind of toss those things into the bucket, and then everything else they got going on, and there's going to be some some profit, profitable farmers out there we haven't seen in the past. You know, so um, I'm looking forward to see what happens with that and how that plays out because, like you said, it's been. It's been dismal for a lot of years, and um, you got to hit those, you know, hit those strides when you when they're there to hit. And I think that's we're seeing one now. And but that being said, I feel like that's going to carry on. I don't think this is a this is a big blip. I don't think. I'm not saying we're going to have eight dollar corn again or anything like that, but I really feel like, you know, with, with the guys I have on here, you know, Sean Hackett and and Chip and Chip Nellinger, of Blue agri Marketing, Sean Hackett of Hackett Financial, you know, when they're on here, they've talked about. You know, Sean's talked about it a lot. You know that this is more of a a a phase transition to where we're going to see you know higher lows and higher highs just based on what the weather has in place. So, you know, I I'm I'm pretty optimistic about what we see happening here. So I really feel like the market's moving in a in a direction that's going to help keep guys profitable longer. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I would agree with that in increased market volatility
1: yeah when the market's volatile you get chances to make money so that's where you just gotta pay attention i just like i just like to use the big words yeah you toss them around nicely they flow off i do i do well we're we're just
0: transitioning into a period of increased market volatility
1: (laughs) yeah i'm ready to be on rfd baby yeah yeah they're gonna call you tomorrow mark you're gonna be on that uh (laughs) market what's that uh Market wrap there. Uh, market, um,
0: market, market day.
1: Market day, there you go. Yeah, market day. You'll be on there as a. Well. You can get get one of those cool um, sports coats like that guy that's got like the cow sport coat or the. Or oh,
0: the <laughs> yeah. That guy. Or the lady with the fire. The
1: fire. Yes, you could Virgi- be
0: Virginia McCaffrey. That's it.
1: Yes, you can get get that one. So yeah, that'll you could really bring some spice to the uh, to the commentation there on uh, RFD.
0: Absolutely.
1: You get like a like a sheep, like a wool, like an actual sheep hair, hair sheep like jacket, and just wear it around. Ooh, damn! You got all the good ideas, man. Yeah, I got a few of them. I got a few. All right, so <laughs> let's think about let's think about it as we move into uh, the first of the year, and I've been given a lot of thought to planter technology here of late. And what does that look like moving into 21? So we are, well, from a deer perspective, anyway, we are uh, what 2015. So we are. This will be the seventh planning season of Exact Merge Technology, that that's been available, and um, you know Precision's been out there for a long time as well. But seven years of really that that you know the dip in the economy, that that whole. Idea of high speed planning has been something that's uh, gotten to be more and more um, important and more and more uh, on the on the minds of of folks out there. So when you uh, when you talk to guys right now, are there more guys looking at just flat trading out their combine or trading out their combine, trading out their planner for a newer one, or are there some guys out there that you've talked to that are thinking about doing the whole, you know? Precision upgrade, you know, um, retro kit, deer retro kit upgrade, those kind of things. That seems to have kind of, I don't know, that fizzle's not the right word, but it's not, I don't hear as much talk about it as I did maybe, you know, this, this planning season, the planning season, two planning seasons ago. So what, what's your thoughts on that?
0: Yes. Um, Real quick though, just for the for our global audience, every time we do we record this podcast, Casey and I sit there and kind of shoot the shit for a couple minutes beforehand, and we always joke that we're not allowed to say combine or auction every episode. And now, just by a slip of the tongue, you drink it. so drink. So there's that <laughs> on the planet scenario used in the used market yes exact emerge is is um i don't want to say like crazy high demand but it's definitely the preferred choice if the numbers work All right. the the neat thing about it is back in well that i was going to go into a big long story that i don't need to but since Exact Emerge has come out, we have been in a down economy every second of the whole time. That has tremendously helped the used market because it's not 2012, 2013, and everybody on Earth went and bought a new one and then traded it in, and they they're just plummeting to the bottom like. 12 and 13 combines. Right. So the fact that there aren't that many new ones sold or I shouldn't say that there's less and less, there's less new ones sold that has helped keep the numbers low on the market, which then keeps the demand high in the market as everybody knows, supply and demand. So I think that's helped quite a bit. Me personally, you know, where, where I'm, pretty much dealing well i shouldn't say pretty much i only deal out of our immediate trade area i have never had one upgrade kit discussion because Mm -hmm. i think that is you take your planner to john deere you buy the kit you pick it up and it's exact emerge right you know that's that's not something you at least me Mm -hmm. that's not something i want to get all these pallet boxes home and start spending my january and february recreating the wheel right you know so that's kind of my take on that i think i know that the retrofit kits i know the i know mother deer is moving them i think it's a great idea i you know obviously there's still more guys that are wanting to just trade their planner instead of just updating it Mm -hmm. um but you know that being said there are guys doing the update yeah at least to me i would say it's probably 10 to 1 on trade versus upgrade yeah maybe even a wider gap than that but then again it you know it's very farm specific too yeah. i you see more guys that man we'd really like that exact emerge but we have to trade we can afford to just trade for a five E, and not an exact emerge. Okay, so they did that in fifteen or sixteen. Those are perfect guys for an upgrade. Mm-hmm. The guy with the the ten to fourteen seventeen seventy. Very rarely do you have those guys. If they, if they're going to spend that kind of money, they're
1: going to trade. Right. <clears throat> yeah, and I think a lot of guys were. When I look at that, there are a lot of folks that were. Looking at the one thing about used planners, let's just put it this way. One thing about used planners, like you mentioned before, and the since the big sell off in, in 2014, 2015, 2016, um, of all of those machines going to auction and, and kind of cleansing the uh, the whole whole kind of space, the whole planning space, uh, there there's not many used planners on the marketplace right there's not a bunch of laying around out there so <clears throat> at any time that you want to go out and, and try to trade into a different machine the good thing about that is with what the supply and demand being the way it is even on the use side there's opportunities some i don't know, I mean we looked at planners where guys bought them at auction and we gave them back what they bought it at auction for just because you know three seasons later you know what i mean so it was there there's opportunities there just because of what the market was, right? So there's plenty Not of people. Not only with that, that,
0: we've looked at we've given guys
1: more yep. than they paid for it at auction. Yeah. So there's been uh there's been just those kind of opportunities, little niche things that kind of pop up that have that have done that. Now,
0: real quick, Casey, yeah. I know this is gonna get us off topic, but this is the kind of things that that go through my mind. Mm-hmm. And this is the kind of things we, we discuss off air that maybe the listeners out there would would like to know a little glimpse inside of because you're excellent with trends and forecasting and all that kind of stuff. Whereas I am like, oh, today is today, tomorrow's tomorrow, you know. All right. Do you we we fixed the the planner market sucked, right? No, horrible. It was worse yeah. than Combines. Yeah. For like a two or three year period there. Yep. But everybody at the same time purged. Right. It fixed that planter market in less than a year. Mm -hmm. Less than one year did 10 to 14, 24 rows turn around. They didn't jump from 50 back up to 150. Right. But they turned around and been climbing ever since. Mm -hmm. Leveled off now, but we're we're five years, we're half a decade since the purge. Right. Why hasn't that happened in combines? Not enough, not enough of the 12s and 13s, the the 12 to 14s, not enough of them flushed all at one time?
1: No, well, I, I think, I think the big thing there is that um, no one traded them. You know what I mean? It was like, everyone just kind of got a, they got their new 12 or the new 13 or the new 14 and for the most part, just kind of, it was just there. Like there was no trade differences didn't work for five years. Right. And now, Oh, right. You know what I mean? So now, but what we see now is what's coming in on trade in that particular spectrum, you know, the spectrum of years is that pretty much it's kind of got the same number of hours on it. Right. So that's, that's the, the big difference there, you know, I argue this all the time with people, and some people, you know, look at me like I got two heads when I say this. But when outside of metal fatigue or those kind of things, you know, cracking or those kind of things, if you have a thirty thousand acre planter that's been completely rebuilt, right, all the way through, and it's it's you know basically brand new again, and you've got a, a one or two year old machine that's got relatively the same amount of wear, you know, and it's, and and both of them are are rebuilt back to brand new. What, I mean, do you really have that much difference, right? You have, if you have a 15 model um, versus a 17 model, right? At what point, yeah, acres play a big part in the overall kind of feel of the, uh, of, of the, of the marketplace, but if both of them are, are, are rebuilt to the exact same level of reconditioning, at what point does that kind of offset the number of hours on it? Again, unless you have cracking and metal fatigue and those kind of things, and yes, you got to worry about that more on a 30,000-acre on a planter, but if everything's sound and solid about it, I mean, what, where, where does that start to play into that? And I think, I don't know, I think that's why the planter was different. Right, because there's not a not an engine or a hydrostat or those kind of things where you gotta worry about. If the engine blows up you gotta spend however many tens of thousands of dollars to put the new engine in it or, you know, the the hydrostat or the transmission or whatever, you know, whatever you got going on there. To me I think that's why that why that planner market rebounded so quickly because, you know, I I can rebuild a planter and for all intents and purposes it's new again. And Right. You can do that on a machine, you know, but you have to rebuild all the mechanical parts of it, all the all the this, that, and the other thing to make it work, and it's just not feasible at that point. So I think maybe there's a lot of speculation on on my part on the planner side why it took off and came back so quickly, comparatively to you know a seventy-five hundred hour tractor or a three thousand hour combine or something like that. There's that that hint in the back of your head that says, well, how many more hours do I got left on that that engine before i got to do an underhaul or an overhaul or whatever you know what i mean <clears throat> i think that might be some of that into there
0: yeah i get that you know because on a planner as long as your bar and the hinges on the bar and all that are good you can rebuild everything behind that toolbar time and time and time again right and rebuilding the planner is not cheap but it's cheaper than pulling in a 2500 Step hour six eighty and just having at
1: it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think by the that's time to the you get done with
0: that, you've bought a seven eighty, but you still have a thirteen six eighty.
1: Right? Yeah, yeah. So I think there's that 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 part of it. There, I mean, I think I think that's the other thing too. Why tractors always seem to hold their value more, more steady. You know, what I mean, even though even though we saw a dip in values across the board on used equipment, whether from twenty from what the values were in 20 you know thirteen, twenty fourteen, 2014 compared to what they went to in 2017 yeah we saw a dip across the board but you know a row crop tractor or a loader tractor or um a four-wheel drive or something like that there was a time where each each of those had their had their day you know of um but really the the four wheel drive tractor kind of had their dip and, and everything else is, was more sought after than that. And then all of a sudden we had too many row crop tractors and, you know, all of a sudden now we've got this, this problem with this and never really had that with, with, loader tractors to speak of. I mean, there was a little lull there, but for the most part, loader tractors have always stayed fairly, fairly consistent, fairly strong. Um, cause one thing to say was, you know, if, if in our area anyway, where, when the cattle market was, was down, um, you know hay prices were high so guys were running balers with them um or or vice versa you know what i mean so there's a uh it feels like to me there, there was an opportunity for everything to kind of level itself out and we've seen that on the tractor side so unfortunately on the combine market it's just never it's just gotten it's gotten i think it's gotten worse because know, worse isn't the right word it didn't get worse it just kind of stayed the same because of the number of machines that are coming to the marketplace that are basically the same had those combines gone through their their typical trade cycle and you would have seen um, a twenty twelve or thirteen you know kinda go through you know three or four different owners by now um, we probably wouldn't have this situation that we're having in the marketplace but unfortunately you know everything came back to the market I was five years old six years old you know four five six years old and it just kind of has the same hours on it, and there's just that, you know. I want to trade my two thousand hour combine in on something else, and there's not a, you know. I'm just going to add to that to the pile. There's not that that, you know, seven hundred and fifty hour, thousand hour um, combine. There's not that many of them laying around out there, which we saw that early in. That's what we saw in those auctions that we saw so early in in the in the summer here with. The machines that sold that really brought big, big money at those things were machines that they're, they're not. There weren't any in captivity, right? The three hundred and fifty right. hour or less combines. There wasn't. There weren't. How many of those were in captivity during that time frame? Not very many, right? And those machines sold, and you know we all know how that story ended. But everything else on the other side of that, though, I mean there was a few shockers, right? But for the most part, the 12, 13, 14 model um, combines that got that sold there, there wasn't a big shock there what those brought. I mean, that was they might have brought a little more than, than what we'd typically seen, but for the most part, it was not, holy crap, the markets turned around because look at these ones that have been selling for 80 grand. They still sold for 80 grand, right? Or thereabouts, right, you know? Exactly. But everything else on the other side of that, that, that was just a rarity in rare form, were bringing help more than we had them listed for you know so it was just i mean it was just i just think that's the biggest thing why the combine market is just not rebounding is because the way it is because it's just one of those things where so much of the same thing is getting brought to the marketplace and it's just there's just this slug of equipment right there you know like like we track that number of machines by hours right and you can look at the right. curve you can look at the curve out there and you see where it's at, and you start looking at combines and and the numbers start to rise when you get up there at that um you know f- fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred hour combine there's a huge number of combines in that range on each side of that hardly any right but it's it's just oh well, it's hardly any spin not the right term, but it there's far less far less right i mean there's so it, it's just uh and, and what we see, too, is, is the machines that are, what I've noticed anyway when I look at machinery repeat tractor house or FastLine or any of those places like that and start kind of doing some analysis and paying attention to that is that we're kind of, what we're seeing feed the marketplace in that 750-hour range to 500- to 750-hour range is there's a lot of one- and two-year-old machines that fall into that mix, which tells me those are a lot of higher-hour, you know, higher-use Um, owners you know probably like custom guys or something like that that are doing that And there's not a lot of one-year-old i'm gonna gonna take my one-year-old combine and put 150 200 hours on it And the next guy is going to take it and put you know 100 to 150 hours on it and the next guy is going to take it you know and he's going to put 100 hours a year on it for the next three years type of thing we're not seeing that organic kind of growth up the you know as it as it should matriculate through um the trade cycle you just not, we're starting to see that again that's starting to kind of creep back into the into the story but um there's a, just a five year l- lull there where it just didn't work for a lot of people to trade and I totally understand it I mean it was just the way the market was at the time and, and the number of machines out there but um and that's across the board I mean whether it's deer or gleaner. Or, Case or New Holland or whomever, Lexion, or whatever, their, their market segment, it reflects the same thing. It's not like there's some difference in, big difference in the way values, you know, kind of change throughout the marketplace. It's just, it's the exact same thing. I mean, everybody has a bunch of 12 through 14 model whatevers and on both sides right. of that there's not a whole lot. So it's just...
0: Just to be clear, you did just say matriculate, yeah, correct? matriculate, Yeah. So that is a true Chiefs fan to throw out some Hank Stram vocabulary during your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that's, well uh, played, sir. Well played. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think that's my that's my two cents and what I why I thought uh, the difference in in the marketplaces. I mean, I just feel like there's planners are. are Cheaper, not cheaper is probably not the right word, but it's just, you can erase it, right? You can erase time by rebuilding it, you know what I mean? Or you can't necessarily erase time on a combine or a tractor.
0: Yeah, you know, that's kind of like, of of the three levels of tractor, which, you know, to us is like 100 to 150 has, or shit, even 100 to... 180 in our world it has a loader on it end of story yep you know over 180 it's an eight thousand series and then four-wheel drives right of those three categories that you were talking about the only one of those that's had a true true dip at all is the four-wheel drives right yeah it happened shortly after the planter thing and we all know what the dip in those four-wheel drives was guess what everybody Twelves and thirteens. Right. Why? Because there's too damn many new ones bought. Mm-hmm. But they fix themselves, leveled out, and slightest little bitty uptick.
1: Yep. So well, the only thing
0: not pulling their own weight is the the threshers.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll see that again. I mean, if when when commodity prices get around, we got four dollar corn, cash corn for. Twenty-five cash corn, those kind of things. I mean, we're gonna go right back to, you know, selling a lot of new equipment. We're gonna go right back to selling, um, you know. Then we'll have that that breakup in between. The biggest thing during that time frame that drove it was just, I mean, everybody had a bunch of money. Everybody had cash. Everybody had, you know. Oh yeah. You know, when your sales pitch was, you know, I got an extra line on the buyer's order. What you need? What else do you want? And that, that was, you know. Just had a lot of a lot of different things going on. Plus, on top of that, you know, it had Section One Seventy Nine come out, so you had all these other things on top of it. So, I mean, it was just like there was a there was a huge windfall, I guess, for lack of a better term. Oh yeah, and in that time frame, y- you
0: can give it to Uncle Sam, and it goes to some program that you personally don't even support. Whereas, mm-hmm. you can buy the machinery, and you know. You you can use that. So, yep. We're certainly all in favor of that.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Tax purchase. Yeah. Yeah. And that, but that's, that was a big driving factor. I mean, when I got into this business, that was in 2006, the, you know, the tax purchase thing had, not that it hadn't ever been there before, but that's when it really kind of started to pick up. You know what I mean? Like you really started to see that turn and, and, uh, right. Lead times of factories across the board started to grow out. You know, I mean, it was, it was, you know, guys were getting year out. You know, when we started doing, I started, and I came, first came out here and we were talking about, you know, you ordered a new combine, it might be, you ordered it in EOP, so it might, you might not get it till, uh the following spring, you know, so skip the whole, you know, the whole time frame and next thing you know, it's your year out, nine months out, you know, Eighteen months out, in some cases, you know, where before you got that new color. Oh line, yeah, um, yeah.
0: Or, order it, order it June first. Get it May first. Right.
1: <laughs> but you remember when? when but we- it's
0: funny that you mentioned that when you started, Casey.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. I started in two thousand. Yep. Corn was literally under two dollars on the board. Everybody sur- was surviving off of LDPS. Haven't heard those initials in years, beans were like four and a quarter mm-hmm. so there was no such thing as end of the year buying for a couple of years in there. There was okay, sweet we get to we get to exist next year. That was about the the top level of of excitement out of anybody, you know, unless it was this thing is absolute trash and we have to trade kind of like we've talked a lot here the last couple of years. It was really bad then. Mm-hmm. And then about the time, you know, about when you started in the yellow, I left the red, and the last couple of years there, you started seeing a little more and a little more. And we had, you know, quite honestly, from, from 2000 to 13, well, 12 for sure, we had 12 years of tick 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 nice, yeah, steady nice steady growth, growth. Yeah. Yeah. nice steady growth, and then in twelve everything went batshit crazy. So it naturally pretty much had to reset itself. Right, yeah.
1: The, the other comment I was going to make on that when I first in two thousand and nine, in two thousand and ten, our uh, our combine problem was one year old ninety seven
0: seventies, right.
1: That yep. yeah, was like, we had like, we had, I don't know how many of them we had 35 or 40 had, or whatever it was. I don't remember the number, but it was a, it was a fair what amount. What did you say? 35 or 40. No. Of each no, year. No, no. no, I'm talking like each year segment. Like we had, we had oh, several. Yeah. Like
0: we, we we had over, that's what gave me a job.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> We right. had over yep.
0: 100 yep. 9770s.
1: Yep. <clears throat> and, but there again, we had the same issue. The issue that we had was we had all of the same... Everything had about the same hours on it. Had about 500 or less separator hours on it.
0: Well, think about it. We had far less stores. Yeah. And sold way more new combines.
1: Yeah. yeah. We
0: sold 100 combines a year with half the stores we have now.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I can only imagine what it would have been like if we'd have been the same size then. I mean, we probably would have sold 200 and some odd new combines. I mean, it was just it would have been We'd
0: still be getting brand new 12s in
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i'm kidding but it the same we had the same issue then that we have now i mean it, it's really not different i mean the only difference is that we were on the higher end higher side of the spectrum where every combine we had was you know a 200 and whatever it was at the time 250 thousand dollar new combine or used combine um and we had you know 100 of them because our yeah i do remember that because our our uh, our, uh we had $25 million in, in combine inventory at the time. I never forget yep. that. Yep, And so that was, you know, we had that issue there, but we have the same issue now. The only difference is, is we've got a big slug of combines that are, you know, $100,000 to, to uh, you know, $50,000 combines, and we can't find buyers for those, per se, right? We can't, same deal on the other side, Is like, we didn't have enough of a mix. And remember how we were trying to trade those out? you we were like, "We'll trade you this whatever for your, you know, 750 separator hour, or whatever, 9760,
0: oh you know, yeah, 60, trying to trade know, 97s whatever.
1: for yeah. 98s yeah. and 96s yeah. And-, yeah. Yeah. and you know, still at the time, you could, you know, we were trading, trying to find 9600 and 9610 combines that we could sell for 50 grand, you know, and and 90s, you know, 50 series, 60 series that we could sell for, you know. Seventy-five to a hundred thousand, you know, and and right. those kind of things, you know, trying to find those kind of deals to take to take their place, and and that whole how that whole thing flipped and, and grew. And we, as we got through that deal, you know, it came, you know, here comes the next deal, and you know, we had we had a pretty good had a four or five year run there where we had a good mix going at the time. We had plenty of moving used and 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 buying new and and everything was kind of working the way it should and we had a pretty good harmonious thing going there and and then you know a a new a new challenge presents itself and you gotta you know go out and redirect and recalibrate and and try to you know how you're gonna overcome this problem what's that look like so that's one thing about this business i i i will i will say that about the time you think you got everything figured out you get smacked in the face again because there's there's never a Never a dull moment. You never have anything figured out. Ever. Right. I mean, you might think you do, but I can promise that you don't, because whatever you think you have figured out, that was that was so 1980. You know what I mean? Now you're Right. Now you're, now you're exactly. Back, you know, 2001 called and they want their they want their old tactics back. Right, so, exactly. You know, and that's kind of where that's where we're at now. I mean we gotta go back and reinvent the wheel every every six months. You got to yep. go back and read because nothing stays the same. It's every every time that we sit down and do, it. it's the same way on on the producer side. I mean, everything, nothing stays the same. They might have some similar planting practices, or you know, however they however they're they're growing their crop. I mean, I'm sure there's some pretty similar things out there, but you know, something changes every year in the in the operation. And it's the same with us. Oh you yeah, know, and same. and
0: that's all ag is whether right. you are. Whether you have five chickens in your backyard or you are a 50,000-acre farmer in Illinois. Right. It is constantly adapt and change. Adapt and change. Yep. And to... and it's stuff that you have no control over. Right. Yeah. You know? We don't because we have no control over it because us moving machinery depends on the commodity prices and if they're gonna have any money so oh yeah
1: yeah there's never a dull moment and i just love the shit out of it yeah me too there's a uh i always tell my wife you know there's we have such a a finite customer base because there's a reason why you know there's not a a, a implement dealer in in downtown chicago selling combines because who's gonna buy it right so it's right the farmer is uh farmer and rancher are the two that's our that's our customer base right we have no yep. no one else is buying a combine nobody else is buying a loader tractor nobody else is buying a four-wheel drive or a planter this side of other thing so we have to be able to adapt to what's going on for them and, and try to make it work as much as we possibly can for for everybody involved right, right. it's not yep. i mean it's a it's such a a very uh close um ecosystem that that uh that we live in there's no you can't take one thing out and and think that it's going to change anything i mean it, it it's going to change a bunch and, it, and so um just like we saw with planners in 2014 i mean we were trading for whatever it was seven bucks an acre or something like that and then you know the next year we we're like uh we're gonna need 25 bucks an acre to trade
0: <laughs> right
1: you know i mean it was and it was when knowing full well that we went sound and talked with that producer they were gonna there's no way they could do that, right? Um, but we had to figure that out and work our way through it and make things happen and, and do what we could do and and that's just the dance we do. Um where's the market at? What what's the use what's the what trend cycle are we in right now with uh with with used volume and um what machines are moving fast and what aren't and we have to adjust accordingly uh throughout the throughout the year. And and then you know, try to guess what next year is going to be like before we even know. You know, not exactly. Probably, not a lot of people went. Hey, you know what? I think we're going to see a, a pandemic roll through. So we're going to go ahead and adjust <laughs> accordingly for yeah. that now. And, and, and there's stuff like that that pops up, but no, or a drought, or you know, you can kind of you can kind of see some forecasts on those kind of things, but all kinds of stuff. Whether it's you know, when I was back in Kansas, sure can aphids were a big deal. And, and nobody really thought about that. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, not only do you have to spray those things a bunch, if you don't spray them, it gums up your machine. And now you have an, another added expense on top of that. So, I mean, there's all these different things that just go into play constantly. And it's just, there's just uh, the flow of, of the way things work. We have to adjust to that. And <clears throat> sometimes you don't know if you're right on what you've adjusted to for nine months to a year and then you realize either you're really really right or you're really really wrong and rarely is there any in between yep so. exactly <coughs> well that did get us way off topic you weren't kidding
0: <laughs> <laughs> but but it shed huh. a lot of light on a lot of areas and that that yep. was that was the whole point yeah
1: that was good stuff that was good stuff well, we have been uh trudging along here for about 45 minutes. Any last thoughts you want to throw out there before we shut this thing down?
0: Man, not that I can think of. Cool. I I typically never do, so that's yeah, and sometimes that's a good thing, you know, so it it probably is. The the, le-
1: the 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 least amount I can talk is probably the most beneficial. There is some some wisdom in that statement, no doubt about it. <laughs> All right, man. Well, folks I want to reach out to you, Aaron, and kind of pick your brain about what's going on or just uh catch up on some of these deals you got floating out there on the on the Twitter. What's the best way to do it?
0: Well, I as you said I'm pretty active on the Twitterverse. I am at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, Fintel, F is in Frank, I-N T is in Tom, E L. And then uh call me or text me anytime.
1: 308-760-1193. Right on and uh you can check me out on facebook twitter and instagram that's where you're going to find the latest editions of the moving iron podcast every once in a while i write a blog and i'll put one out there but um also check out moving you can find all the latest information about the moving iron summit coming up in nashville tennessee if you're a dealer you want to attend that man uh it's a great place to come network and and also get some great information about what's going on in all parts of uh north american marketplace so Hey and remind everybody <clears throat> what is new about the summit this year? Oh yeah, everybody can come. All colors. Everybody. Yep. Yeah, so check it out. This will be, it'll be be a great place to to network. I got a lot of people signed up. Um so it'll be uh it'll be I'm looking forward to it. I think we're going to have a have a good turnout and it's going to be uh I think maybe some some good uh good opportunity to get a dust off the uh i've been i've been locked up in my house for a long time uh give everybody a chance to go out and have a little fun and learn about uh what's going on in the uh in the marketplace so looking forward to it Um,
0: in nashville in january has got to be a hell of a lot
1: better than us northerners yeah i imagine it by it could be a little warmer than than where it is january and the panhandle i think it's going to be uh a breath of fresh air or you know what it could be a freaking what do they call those things polar vortex could come through yeah and it could be like 14 like uh what's that show uh day after tomorrow when that storm comes right. through it freezes everything yeah that's great yep good times looking forward to it for more information about that make sure you check out uh sean hackett he'll give you all kinds of good information about the uh what 21 and 22 are going to look like as far as weather goes and me and him are going to do a podcast as well about that and uh, in more depth, you'll see him at the Moving Iron Summit as well, and he'll have some great information about what's going, what he sees happening. And as much as I hate to say it, not because I don't like Sean; Sean's a great guy, but what he's said so far, as far as forecasts goes, have all have all come true since he's been on the Moving Iron podcast. So make sure you check him out too every Thursday when I post that. So I'll go from there. Check out the Global Ag Network and the great podcasters there. Uh, check out uh, Landon and brent over there at the moving iron or at moving iron we're there at the uh dryland farm podcast make you laugh they guys uh guys have some good stuff on there so with that i am casey seymour with aaron Fennel. let's go move some iron folks out
0: moving iron in the 21st century hardworking in time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher